The following is a TPC Network podcast. Hmm, Steven. Oh, me? Uh, what? No, no, not you. The, the other Steven. Oh, which one? The King of Stevens. Oh, the one who writes all the books. Y- yeah, Stephen King. That's a name. Yep, yep, and that's who we're going to talk about on today's podcast. Sponsored by... Tugnuts, the greatest <laughs> cereal brand ever known. Tugnuts, get your milk on. <laughs> Welcome back. I am your host, Pepin, and here is my co-host, Meter. Hey. And here is the other person in the room, B. Yo. And here's the other, other person in the room, our lovely, lovely mother in common. Not really, but kind of. Sandy. Hi. Well, gang's all here. <laughs> Last time we were here, we were talking about uh, serial killers. You remember that? Good times, bind, torture, kill. Yes. You know, actually, the, the BTK killer is somebody who inspired a book by Stephen King. Really? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Which book? Um, that's a good question, Mom. Let's ask our resident Stephen King expert, Mom. Um, <laughs> there was there was a book that was written that he wrote about um a wife who had no idea that her husband was Oh, it was oh, yeah. the good marriage. Yeah. Oh yeah, the perfect marriage. That was good. Yeah, and that's he wrote that being inspired by the BTK killer cuz he was he was obsessed with the fact that the wife said she had no idea that BTK was doing all these ridiculous, like, murdering of all these people. And he said most people don't believe her, but he believed her. Um, and he's, you know, maybe that's out of out of wanting to believe it just because that's a more interesting story. Or maybe he saw something in, in the way she was saying it that he would, act, would actually believe. Uh, but regardless, it, it ended up coming out of it a, an amazing book. Now, I'm aware of who Stephen King is, obviously. Uh, I've seen a couple things from him. I read part of a book from him, but I really don't know that much about him in general. I know he writes horror mostly, but apparently he did this book, Stand By Me, or the movie based on it or something. And that's not really a horror movie. And is most of his stuff horror, or is it all kind of, like, how do you describe it? Horror, uh, psychological thriller, um... When it, what else would you, what you, what other words would you use? He did a lot of, well, some critically acclaimed um, items like the Shawshank Redemption or Green Mile, along with Stand by Me. I don't know of anything else. As far as movies go, uh, those were some of the the bigger names. Um, Stanley Kubrick's version of uh, The Shining is actually one of the. One of the top grossing films of all time still to this day, um, despite the fact that Stephen King actually didn't like that uh, adaptation of it at all um, and now holds creative control um, over who directs his movies. Sandy, you've read a lot of Stephen King's novels and books. Like, how many of them? Um, I would say all of them. All of them? Pretty much. You know he has over 200 short stories, right? Just the short stories, not including the novels. She's read them all. That's that. Fa- that's the face of confidence right there. <laughs> Are those in like a uh, like a like a com- 
compendum? What would you say? Like a kind of like a compilation? Compilation. There we go. Are they in a compilation or are they just kind of all around? Like a, I know like some people they both. Both. Wolf, yeah. So he puts a lot of them into into compilations like Nightmares and Dreamscapes and what's the one with the monkey on the cover? Skeleton crew. Skeleton crew. Um, and those are all like a, a just a bunch of them put together. Um, but then there's some that are kind of standalone and, and things like that. Um, so, I mean, it depends. Some, some of his novels themselves, such as the green mile, aren't actually novels. They're a series of six stories that all tell one grand story. Um, so it's like a mini series of books, um, which is ironic because like the stand is a book and it's a huge book. It's a novel. And, that one was created into a mini series on TV, and The Green Mile is a mini series of books that was created into one long movie. So it's it's like the exact opposite of what it should have been. The Stand should have been one long movie, and The Green Mile should have been a mini series. Both Stephen and Sandy have a very strong relationship with Stephen King. Uh, Sandy, how would you say your relationship started with Stephen King? With his work, not 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 not, not him. <laughs> <Yeah. saying. laughs> I was hoping you knew something I didn't know. <laughs> um, I believe the first book I read by him was Salem's Lot. Gosh, that was a really long time ago. I was probably in high school. And then I read Carrie and all his early work and just, I don't know, I just love his style, everything about him. Mm. He's very, very good at character building. That's one of the things he's best known for is writing characters that you like and then creating scary situations for them to be in and it really helps you feel the scary situations because you care about the character so much it makes it easy when they're in danger to to get scared right Mm -hmm. you really like stephen king and so much so you named your son after stephen king you know you would think that that would be the case mom it's time to admit it (laughs) (laughs) it really isn't and i did not choose the name stephen his father did mom it's time to just just admit it. You named me after Stephen King. This is a podcast exclusive right here. <laughs> I swear I didn't. Swear to Stephen King? I swear to Stephen King I did no. not name you. But it fits. It works. This is this is what's going to get him to be on the show. I, yes, I named you Stephen after <laughs> Stephen King. <laughs> She's willing to tell lies about her the naming of her son just to talk to you, Mr. King. <laughs> but I did have a license plate that was, it said N-O, the number one, and then F-A-N. Oh, my. How did, yep. how, how would they know you're talking about Stephen, though? Stephen King? That comes from one of his books, oh, Misery. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. The, the main character keeps telling her favorite author that she's his number one fan as mm. she's doing horrible things to him. I see, I see. So it's a reference to the book that uh, only book people would get. Right. Misery. Is, is that the one where some girl gets tortured in a house or something? Or is... Kind of, but no. No. It's a guy. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a writer. He's in an accident and a nurse finds him and brings him back to her house and is nursing him back to health. Happens to also be a huge fan of his and basically makes him keep writing books even though he intended to end the series and go in a different direction. Which completely freaked her out. Because she was crazy. Yeah, she was absolutely insane. Yeah. Sounds like a, like a metaphor for like authors and their fans. Sometimes. Oh, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly what it was inspired by. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Now, Stephen, did your mom's interest in Stephen King? I, I've been to your house before, um, Sandy, and it's just lined with Stephen King books all over the place. Like, they just take up all the walls. There's entire bookshelves that have, like, all these different books, and then there's an other bookshelves which are just Stephen King books. It, it, it's pretty massive. Uh, would you say your mother got you into Stephen King? Yes. And where did you start with the series? That's a real good question. One of the first ones I remember having was from a Buick 8, which is a really weird place to start with for Stephen King. That's not one of his best works, in my opinion. Um, it's a real weird one, too. But uh, but that was that was where, where it started. Um, I remember reading The Green Mile, too, because um, she had the, the six-book set, um, the paperback, and I remember reading all of those. Um, no, those are... Great books, great movie too. Tom Hanks. You actually recommended me to read some Stephen King because I was looking for something to read, and a book you picked out for me was called Firestarter, and I read about uh, half of it, and uh, it was like summer vacation, and we had to return the books, and I returned it and didn't read it again. Well, now I know what you're getting for Christmas. <laughs> I have a copy if you want to borrow it. Well, when Stephen asked me uh, if I finished it and said, oh, no, I have to return it for summer, vac- summer vacation. I'm like, well, wh- why do you need to pick it up again? Like, <laughs> eh, I don't know. <laughs> but I, I did like that book, though, because it, uh, it was very... I have a hard time like imagining characters in these situations and all this kind of stuff. But the way he was kind of painting these pictures, like it was more easy for me to understand what was going on and to picture... like like the environments because for me i have a hard time putting like uh things into context like i'll say a man was talking in this room that was opaque looking or blah 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 and as soon as, soon as i get past that paragraph i forget what kind of room they're in who's speaking what these people look like and everything but he made it in the way he, he wrote the books in the way or at least that book in a way where i could remember what was going on in the story i think he makes all of his books all of his characters, all of his places relatable, especially where he's from, New England. We can, it makes it easier to picture a place that you know. Mm. Yeah, he, he references Maine. I know that's one big thing I've heard a lot. Like every book has Maine in it. Basically, almost all of his works are set in Maine. Is he a big fan of Maine? I mean, I yeah, assume so, Maine. but. <laughs> yeah, he, he grew up in Maine. He lived in Maine. Uh, he went out to Colorado for a short while when he wrote The Shining. Um, and then he came back to, to Maine again. He's, he's lived there since he lives in Bangor, uh, which is where you're from, right, B? Well, I'm from Brewer, the town across, but... Same thing. No, yeah, no, it, it is, is not. The Queen City is different from the Twin City. But, yeah. Um, okay, so the, you lived, like, five miles from Bangor? Y- yeah, just about five miles from his house right across the way and I don't know I don't I haven't read any of his books because I was specifically told not to because I'm the type of person that connects with characters and if they feel pain I feel the pain if something happens so it's just a big emotional mess so I was told stay away plus I don't do good with scary things or thrillers um in that sense so I was told to stay away um but I, a lot of the places he's been, I, 
I've been to too. Orrington, like he lived in Orrington and where he wrote about Pet Cemetery. I know exactly where that is because I've been there. That's all that like stomping ground. That's where I'm from. So I got that kind of connection. So it's not quite a, you're, you're not really involved in Stephen King's works, but you're kind of involved in his uh, his travels. Uh, pretty much, actually, because he was born in Portland, right mm-hmm. down at the Main Gen Hospital. So that was, that's right around where my mom's from. And then living between Bangor and um, Orrington, I grew up in Brewer, so I frequented Bangor for shopping and all that stuff in Orrington, where we did other activities as teenagers. It's kind of strange that you brought up Pet Cemetery because I actually didn't know that was Stephen King. And I, I learned more and more of things I've seen in popular culture are Stephen King. Like, I, that was a South Park episode, like uh, the Halloween one they did a while ago. And I think it's based on Pet Cemetery. And I, I didn't know that was a parody of something until, like, somewhat recently. Margarine. Mar- margarine? Uh, the one where they have the, the fortune teller, the little paper fortune teller one, and then Butters, um, they think he's dead because he, they had to stage his death to get out of, he was playing to be a girl or whatever, pretending to be a girl. So he had to die in order to come back to school as a girl. And when he did, they pushed a pig over the top of the house and he exploded on the ground. And then, um, and then the the dad has like is met met by this guy, and he's the the guy from Pet Cemetery, the movie, who's like, don't want to go down there, and it's like doing like this the most awful main accent ever, and basically just tells him like, don't bury him at the burial grounds because he'll come back to life and be a monster. And then the dad does, and that but Butters is still alive, and he comes back, and they're all like, oh, he's a monster. But he just like looks like normal butters and. Gosh. <laughs> so yeah, they they definitely South Park's genius. Uh, we've talked about them before, but yeah, that is that is Stephen King. Mm. You know um, who that guy is that plays the neighbor? Uh, Herman Munster. Yes. I do know that. <gasps> it oh is. my gosh! Yes. He plays the neighbor in Pet Cemetery, and yes. that's the guy who they were parodying, and they parodied him by just doing him. Like it wasn't <laughs> even a parody; it was just like a, uh, an impersonation. That's so cool. One of my experience with Stephen King is watching people review the movies based on his books. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are pretty bad. A, a couple are pretty, apparently pretty good, but the the new one, or the old one, It, mm-hmm. was... I guess people thought that was scary at the time, but the reviews I've seen of it are pretty uh, goofy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a goofy movie in and of itself. Um, before, before I delve into it, I want to know Brienne's opinion of it because... I've been introducing her in gearing up for talking about Stephen King to a whole bunch of Stephen King movies all at once because I know Nate doesn't really know anything about it, about him. Mom knows a ton. I needed a refresher and Brienne knew nothing, but I wanted to get her to a different spot than Nate. So I kind of crash coursed her. We've watched a different Stephen King movie every single night this week. It was one of the first ones we watched. Was it the first one we watched? I think so, actually. And, um, and... What did you think of it? Um, well, okay. So when we started it, I was kind of scared and on the inside. I was like, oh, no, I don't know if I'm going to like get attached or if this is really going to be freaky because that's the impression that I got is that it's just a scary, scary movie. And um, I we get into it maybe 
the first part of it, I was like, this isn't really the thought. The thought is scary. Like, oh, if this is really something that could happen, this is scary. And so I was scared at first because the thought of children getting murdered or whatever, that thought alone was just scary. So I could see it being scary in that sense. But as we get through it, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, as we're going more and more in the plot, and um, I just, I didn't really care for it, to be honest. Now, that's like a three-hour movie, <laughs> which I don't know if it really even needs to be a three-hour movie. <sighs> I mean, the book is one of his longest books ever that he ever wrote. Um, but as far as the movie, I mean, it used to come on two VHS tapes. It was so long. Um, and now, now, obviously, with digital, they don't, you don't need that anymore. It, it just kind of, at points, it just kind of drags. And it's like, man, like, this is great character development, but I'm just... I can't get invested in six different characters simultaneously, seven different characters simultaneously, plus a clown, plus all of their all the backstories and side characters and all that shit. It's just crazy. But I think what really makes the movie is Tim Curry. <laughs> yes. Tim Curry as Pennywise the Clown because he is hilarious. And a lot of the special effects nowadays don't hold up in any regard. Like there's the one with the dog. Like when the oh. dog, he turns into a dog head and it's a dog wearing clown, like a, a full clown, like the size of a human, but he's wearing all, all clown clothes and it's a dog head and he's just like, rah, rah. Yeah. and it's so funny. And Tim Curry does this thing where he like, they, he grows like really sharp, long teeth, but when he does it, he like looks down first and then he looks up and he's like, ah. And I'm like, I'm doing the face right now, but basically just like curls his lips up and just like rolls his eyes back. And it just looks so comical to me. Like he's like a disgusting creature going in for a makeout session. <laughs> Stop motion, though, is great in the shower scene oh. with the little boy. Oh, oh okay. I just want that to be out of context for Nate. Yeah, it is. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, I th- I think it holds up not as a horror movie, but as just a, a great um, a great movie in general. But it, it is a little long, so you got to be ready to be sitting for three hours. And I don't think I was ready. I think that was part of the problem. I didn't. I mean, I knew it was that long because I saw it right there, you know. But I was like, oh, this will go by pretty quickly, and it it really didn't in some areas. Just I hope is the book better, much better. Okay, of course it is. Yeah, because. <laughs> Um, based on the movie, I would not want to read the book. It, it, just for me personally. Sandy, did you read the book before the series came out? Yes. And were you like all hyped out for the series? Yes. And how was your reaction to the series? Um. Were you like, oh man, that's uh, doesn't live up, live up to the book, which it never will. But right. Were you or you like, oh, that wasn't that bad? Yeah, it wasn't that bad. Wasn't great. Mm-hmm. I'm really, I really want to see the new one that they just came out with, mm-hmm. the remake of it. Absolutely, that's it's a much coming shorter. out shortly. It's not out yet. It's much shorter. Mm. It's like a regular size movie. A reg- it's a regular <laughs> movie. Now, the Dark Tower did just come out, and that's based on the Dark Tower series, um, or otherwise known as Gunslinger, in in some cases. Um, I haven't read or seen anything in association with that. What's, uh, what about you, mom? 
I've read all the books. I mm-hmm. haven't seen the movie yet. I am dying to. And that's supposed to be his magnum, mag, magnus, op, magnum opus. opus. That's supposed to be his magnum opium. <laughs> what you? What do you think? Is that his best writing as of the date? No. No. Not he, in my opinion. No. Um, there's rumors that it connects, like basically everything he's ever written, all together in the into like everything connects to the Dark Tower in some way. And didn't he write a character for himself in there? Like Stephen King is a character in the book. It's been so long since I read the books, I don't remember. Well, that's what Wikipedia said. Oh. Well, I assume it's fairly. If you saw it on (laughs) Wikipedia, it's obviously true. I'm, yeah, I would say yes, that's probably true. I I have heard he does put himself in the books a lot, like in a certain kind of ways. Like there's always some alcoholic person in there and struggling with their you know their issues and apparently that's an issue he had back in the day mm-hmm. for about a decade yeah. yeah for about a decade and then i think there's some other i forget what the other trope is in there obviously the main thing and you know that's something he puts in there but uh, i think there's a few other themes he always tends to come back to and they're called like stephen kingisms or something like that yep main alcoholism and writers as characters paranoia too he's got like all his writings are just a way for him to be it's therapeutic for him because he's got a lot of like um kind of concerns and worry he's just a worry wart so that's him getting it all out and just spitting it all out there so that he's purging himself and like cleansing himself of his paranoias basically yeah that's something that a lot of artists do uh, back when i used to write like a uh, certain kinds of music uh i would be I'd be going through something and I'd write the music as a way of getting through that thing or kind of uh, expressing myself or kind of being clear on the idea and uh, that's definitely what a lot of writers do uh, I was reading this one interview with a uh, songwriter actually and uh, he was saying that uh, he was managing a bunch of other songwriters and uh, he would find that they would actually write a lot better material when they're having relationship issues so he, he kind of secretly wanted his you know his uh, workers to have relationship issues because he would always get better material from that mm. so sometimes it's about the struggle and alcoholism is definitely a struggle mm. is that that's something he's passed though now uh yes yes reportedly <laughs> reportedly <laughs> now um in a sense Stephen in a sense Stephen King died he used to go by the pen name Richard Bachman and he wrote a lot of his stories um, under that name uh, by I mean I say a lot but Stephen King releases like two three books a year which is crazy um, he usually writes like at least a novel a year which or at least in his in his prime prime he did he still releases so much work though it's it's absolutely insane but with that said he wrote um, five maybe six as Richard Bachman um, including one of my favorites of all time The Long Walk um, and there, it was slated to go in and become a movie this year, but it was, um, that was two or three years ago. I saw that and it, uh, it got canceled a while ago. So it, that, ne- that hasn't come to be, but the rights are still owned by a movie company. So hopefully they bust that out. But anyway, about him dying, um, Richard Bachman was outed by, um, one, of uh, by a writer for, I think like the New Yorker or something. And he saw a lot of similarities between them. And then he actually looked up the records and saw that Stephen King actually was the author um, uh, for one of his one of the books that was published as Richard Bachman. So he outed him uh, like in his his own editorial, 
and uh and what he called the the death of richard bachman um because he had uh cancer of the pseudonym or something like that which is so clever but not clever at the same time it's kind of like cringe clever it's like oh like everything arnold schwarzenegger's ever said (laughs) yeah that's only relevant because he was in the running man (laughs) references i don't get (laughs) the running man is a stephen king novel and brian and i actually watched that probably five hours ago yeah how was it i actually like that one except for the cheesy like sayings Uh, arnold schwarzenegger says i'll be back in it like (laughs) Referencing his yes. own movies. It's, it's just rough. Need a lift? Just like, no. But it's actually pretty good. And then Steven was like, just so you know, this is not like the book. I'm like, oh. And that's what mom was just going to say. She's like nodding. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, that's okay. Yeah. So, uh, well, mom, you once told me that no book you've ever read has been done justice or bested by the movie. Um, and I think most people will feel that way feel that way about things that they've read being turned into movies. It's just such a different medium. Your imagination has such a a wider um, just a wider breadth to run when you're reading than when it's like comparing your imagination to somebody else's imagination. You know, your own is is almost always going to win, except in one instance. And what is that? Cujo. You did not like Cujo. I did like the movie, but oh. I did not like the book. Okay, because my question was going to be, did you not like the movie, and you didn't like the, uh, you didn't like the book, but you liked the movie a little bit more than the book, even though they're both crap. You actually like the movie. Yes. What uh, what made the book something that just didn't tickle your fancy? <laughs> okay, for those who haven't read it, this is a spoiler alert. <laughs> All right, I have no idea what this is about. Cujo is about a a little boy that has a dog, and the dog gets bit by a bat and he becomes rabid and he kills people but in the in the um book the little boy dies not the little boy not the owner of the dog but it's a lot you'd have to read the book to get it but a little boy dies in the book in the movie he doesn't and that's the difference and that's you must hate pet cemetery no, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> now, Pet Cemetery was actually inspired by Stephen King's own son, who almost got hit by a truck. And um, the the grave, the Pet Cemetery, was actually a thing that was out behind his house. The local kids, there was a busy highway, and things would get hit by cars all the time. People's pets, and that's where they'd bring them. It's behind his house, and they'd make little little markers for him and bury him. Um, and Stephen King's own cat got hit and when was buried back there and his son almost got hit and he couldn't cope with it. And the only way he could cope was to write the story. And Tabitha, Stephen's wife, said that she couldn't even read the thing. And it actually scared Stephen King so much, his own writing, that he locked it away in his drawer for three years and didn't want to look at it. Just because it hits so close to home. I mean, that was... in. In when Tabitha tried to read it, that was her son. That was not just some some little boy. That was her son because she knew that's what Stephen was writing about. When I saw that movie in the theater, when the little boy gets hit by the truck, I started crying mm. immediately. Just and you knew it was going to happen, and I knew it was going to happen. Mm. And seeing it was just horrible. Mm. It, they made it pretty realistic. That's a rough one to watch. Yeah, it is. Is that a good book, or is that a book? It uh, is a good is, book. Yeah. Anything that's a movie from Stephen King was also a book. 
I assume so. Well, wasn't there that one thing, I monster, think, something? I think Creep Show. Was was that a book? I don't think it was. I think that was just an homage to um, Tales from the Crypt. I believe. Was there that thing where like the big trucks like the that get taken over by Maximum something? Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, was that the a... entire soundtrack written by ACDC? You Stephen know that's his favorite band. Stephen King's favorite band. Was that a book? Really? He wrote really? a book about cars taking... He he wrote what? multiple books about cars coming to life. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote one called Christine about the exact same thing, except it's one car. Hmm. Did he come up with Herbie? No. No, um, he did not. That was Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> that was long before his time. Now, <laughs> now I got a question. Um, so... Uh, we were listening to an interview actually on the ride over here between, it wasn't really an interview, it was just a conversation in a live crowded hall of people who were there to listen to this conversation between George R.R. R. Martin, the writer of the Game of Thrones series, and Stephen King, the writer of Everything Ever. And they were, George R.R. R. Martin brought something up in one of his more recent books, um, Mr. Mercedes which is actually a three-part series. Um, he, the beginning of the book, the villain takes a car and drives it into a crowd of people just to kill people. And George happened to bring this up and was referencing the Orlando shooting that happened, oh man, that must have been a couple of years ago now. Or was it just a year ago? I don't, it was fairly recent, but he mentioned, he mentioned it in context with that and said, how do you think these th two things compare? And, you know, Stephen said, like, you know, it is what it is kind of deal. He didn't really lean one way or the other. He was he was just saying they're, they're kind of similar, but that what what inspired him was somebody, a woman who um, who plowed her car into a bunch of people because she was trying to kill her husband's lover, who she thought was in that crowd and ended up not being. But my question is, what sort of what sort of responsibility do, or culpability does a writer have when they write about something terrible like driving your car into a crowd of people and then other people take that idea and actually do it in the real world? That's kind of similar to, uh, what was it, that movie Scream with the uh, stupid masks, with the Halloween mask. Mm -hmm. And after that, movie, after that movie was released, they found people committing murders and you know heinous acts with those masks so does it inspire it or or do people just take artistic liberty artistic liberty with things they're already gonna do well those events happened before the writings because that's what inspired the these authors for those specific events but then stephen king also talked about the rage rage mm -hmm. and that he wrote and then school shoot because it's about school sh taking a school hot students taking schools hostages or whatever um and and killings and within the school and um he he pumped that out and then all of a sudden it's happening some boy in kentucky read it and then he he enacted it in his school so i don't <laughs> There's been actually a lot of, uh, Stephen was mentioning Rage himself. He actually wrote that under the name Richard Bachman. Um, but he's, he, he mentioned that one as well and saying like there were 
there were multiple shootings that happened because that referenced that book the the children who shot up their school said had just read or in some cases had read many many times rage and that in a way makes him somewhat culpable it, it could it's it's for me it's hard to really judge because it could just be a causal thing you know like uh what's that book catcher in the rye that book's linked to you know murders but it's also just a common book to read and also you could say maybe these people take inspiration from these you know the specifics and how to do it or what to do but they might have been doing it either way anyway so like uh if we take a specific example let's say in some book uh that stephen king wrote someone's killed with a like a giant elastic band, I don't know, let's go with something good. Let's say guitar strings. Guitar strings wrapped around the neck, and that's how they're strangled. And then let's say someone reads the book and says, oh, that's a great way to kill someone. I'll do that. And then they, you know, kill someone that way. Well, if they didn't read the book, they'd probably kill the person still, at least in my mind, but they would just do a least a less clever method, maybe like a, an axe. Now, just to play devil's advocate here, because I think you're a big phony, <gasps> the uh, let's say that the amount of school shootings was at a, a steady pace and then this book comes out and then you can see the statistical rise of school shootings after the release of said book would that in some way influence you to think that he inf- he's actively influencing what's happening in society yeah yeah well though where my mind goes with that is you would want to also compare that, like the rate of school shootings, to the rate of other kinds of murders or kinds of uh, kinds of crimes like that. So, it, it's like, uh, let's say you look at, you know, store burglaries, you know, armed burglaries from like convenience stores, and then let's say it's some kind of a movie comes out where it they're you know robbing banks and stuff. So you you might actually see a dip in the store burglaries and see you know increase in bank burglaries. So similarly. You might see increase in school shootings, but you might see a decrease in other places. So it just makes it more people more likely to do this specific kind of crime as opposed to the other ones. But it, that's just a weird kind of. But yeah, I agree with your general thought. Like it might cause people to act in that way. I yeah, if you, yeah, if you guys got opinions, I yeah, <laughs> spit them out. You guys are just like what I was your head. getting at. Well, because I'm like I'm trying to follow and I'm trying to understand and empathize, and I and I can. But I guess for me, is if a writer or or uh, filmmaker, anyone of the artistic community, is going to take some event or something, and that inspires them to write something or do something based off said event. I don't think they should be held responsible because they're just writing that inspired them to do whatever they're doing, their their art, their life, whatever. But if they put something out and then that's the inspiration for the violent act or whatever, oh, yeah, whatever, then, I mean, that that might be a different story for me. That's what's going to choose if if they did the act that inspired it or if there was an act that inspired them and like Stephen King did make an apology he doesn't apologize for his other works but he did apologize for 
the rage or, or whichever one that was that started an increase. He did apologize for that one. Well, he said oh. he said he regrets it. Right, for regrets, sure. not for apologies, sure. but yeah, regrets. He says he regrets um, pushing regrets. for that one to be out or yeah, something. Yeah, just regrets publishing it at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I think, I mean, I think I can kind of connect with him on that line. If I was in his shoes and I did something that saw a spike in something treacherous, then I would regret too. I, I think that it's something I would regret if I did, but not because it was necessarily wrong to do, but more because it makes me look bad. I mean, it, it's <laughs> I mean, being honest, right? I'm noble of you. Share. Noble Nate. That's what they call him. I mean, it's like if you. So imagine, uh, I think there's actually a case of this. Like uh, some people were doing moves about terrorists before 9-11 happened, you know, blowing up buildings and stuff. And then uh, it was that movie. There's a movie that actually came out like the week before or something. And then when it actually happens, you kind of look like a you know, big, big dick. You kind of look like you're making fun of it or something. And this is stuff that went way, way before that. But, you know, the fact that now it's happened, it kind of looks like you were kind of advocating it in some kind of like kind of weird way or that, you know, just something you are interested in. Does Die Hard happen in the Twin Towers or the Empire State Building? I feel like it might. Anyway, go on, Mom. I completely disagree. <laughs> with, with what exactly? All of it. All of it? <laughs> no. I don't think that any writer, songwriter, publish anything, publisher, has any culpability for things happening. Go back to Shakespeare. Go back to the Bible. Look at all the stuff that happens in that. You're going to blame everything that ever happened on... God? Yeah, most people do. Well, I don't believe in God, so... Well, fair (laughs) enough. (laughs) But do you see my point? Like, you know... Bad things are going to happen. It doesn't matter. Mm. But, but I mean, it's not it's not necessarily saying that they're making bad things happen, but that they're promoting it in some way or glorifying it or uh, influencing the way bad things happen. So maybe, um, t- like, let's say somebody, like, s- the Saw movies come out, right? So murders still happen. They still happen at the same rate. But all of the murders are much more grisly and cause a lot more pain or something along those lines. In that way, you could say that the because this was sensationalized, the torture was sensationalized, it caused a, an influx of how things happened. And sometimes that can have a negative effect, such as an increased amount of suffering because people aren't just killing, they're torturing first. I think they're going to have the ideas anyway. Somebody came up with the saw ideas. Somebody else is going to come up with a clever way to kill the killer. Is going to, co- you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for I, sure, for sure. I, and it, not necessarily the idea, but the sensationalization of the idea. When you have a soapbox to stand on, you have a way to speak and power to speak to the masses, and that's used in a way that glorifies something negative. Then, in a way, you're helping promote something negative. I see your point, but I think you're taking the Eminem standpoint of. Like, uh, what what does he say? Music is power. Um, they say that music is dangerous. It talks to you, but can it load a pistol and cock it too? Being like, yeah, okay, so the, the ideas are out there, but you take responsibility for the actions you're taking. I'm not, I can't be sued. I shouldn't be the one sued for right. other people taking action. Right. All I am is an artist. 
I think it gets really confusing with this because there's glorification. Glorification does exist in certain respects, but I think a lot of these movies, the premise of it is kind of like really bad jokes, like say, uh, let's say some of the most tasteful jokes, like rape jokes. Rape jokes aren't funny because rape is funny. Rape jokes are funny if it's funny because it's terrible, right? The joke is rape is not funny, and that's why this joke is so, like, you know, it's just kind of, you know, drips in that way. And same thing with kind of with these terrible movies where it's just, it's scary because it, it, it's scary. It, it You, you want to watch it because it's not real. It doesn't actually exist. You know, some people are into snuff films and that kind of messed up stuff, but horror is fake, and it's not since that, it's not glorifying the horror, but rather it's kind of uh, making an argument against it, in the same way that comedy, like, uh, what's that show? It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's not glorifying narcissists, it's rather making fun of them, or it's kind of uh, showing the issues with it. And in a similar way, I, I think a distinction that could be made is, like, uh, I, I think glorification happens within ISIS. So ISIS and ISIL and all these other groups they will glorify certain heinous acts, you know, be it torture or beheading people, you know, pushing people off cliffs and so on and so forth. And there's a clear glorification because people, they're trying to incentivize people to do it. And it's not clear, at least in the case, as far as I'm aware of Stephen King, I wouldn't assume so, that he is necessarily incentivizing or making people want to do it. Rather, it's kind of saying, this shit's fucked up. This is why you read it, because this shit's fucked up and it kind of like scares you, right? Mm. Like, there's not, like, a motivation to do it. It's rather, like, just don't do this. I agree. I think that's a good way to put it. And I think it's humans that are glorifying... I mean, name one of Ted Bundy's victims. That's a, a very valid point that Stephen himself was making um, in an interview, saying that, it, like, society is partly to blame for some of these things that happen, these, these mass killings, because the names of the 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 murderers the bad people are remembered long after the names of the people that they kill and that incentivizes them like nate's saying to to continue to do it and that's a society thing that's that's our own warped way of of doing it and it's self-perpetuating and i think blaming the author or the songwriter is a way to put the blame somewhere because it's got to be somewhere right that's my thought on it. You could also argue that, uh, you know, we're saying earlier that S- Stephen King seems to write about his personal life through the novels. And also another way, maybe he's also writing about the societal issues and the societal issues we're dealing with in the novels as well. So it's a way of kind of expressing the issues we're having in society and kind of work through it. So, you know, it, it, you said that there's there wasn't as many school shootings prior to that book he wrote. But uh, it must have been some kind of issue, and that's probably why he brought it up into this kind of uh, novel. And there's issues with torturing and all this other stuff. So it might be, I feel like there's very few writers that can create things out of nothing. I think they pull from society, and they kind of start discussing these issues in fiction. Uh, for the, Just for the record, um, I did not intend to say that that was a factual statistical evidence i w- it was more of a um a thought experiment to to try and get see where you would stand if that was the case right right i, I like it fair enough um so i mean i want to i want to know um to to kind of kind of divert us um head towards the wrap up here 
what is you guys' favorite Stephen King book and or um and or movie um or any anything Stephen King's ever done? I really like the first half of Firestarter. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a good answer. Aww. Mother. <laughs> I think my favorite book is probably The Stand. It's super long, but I've read it so many times. Um, I really want to see Eyes of the Dragon become a movie. And um, I would definitely watch that. His, my favorite movie, probably The Green Mile. That was very well done. Hmm. Shawshank Redemption was. Yeah, that's uh, widely considered one of the greatest movies ever made um, by most critics and people of that nature. Um, the Stand was actually 1,200 pages, um, and the publisher wanted him to cut out 400 pages, and he refused to the point that he actually changed publishers just so that he could... He said, he's like, I made you guys millions of dollars. Why are you like, why are you making me edit down my work that much? It doesn't make any sense. There is an edited version that came out originally. And then he added all the pages back in. Oh. I have both versions. <laughs> Interesting. Wait, wait, yes. do you have the hardcover of the yes, stand? Both of them. That's extremely rare and worth like thousands of dollars. Oh, the original maybe. The first or second, the first. the first or second editions are. The oh. first, they, they only printed 10,000 copies. I probably don't have a first or second edition. Of the first. I will have to check that Then out. they produced a second 10,000 copies of the second, but there were millions of people reading his books, and they didn't think it was going to appeal. So they, those are worth a lot of money. Quick question. Which version was better, the short version or the long version? They're exactly the same other than a few hundred pages that were added to the, edited, the unedited version. Really? So yes. it wasn't really made better by the... Oh, so maybe no. the publishers were right. It no, added... they were just blank pages at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he added them back in because you know, yeah. people might want to add their own ending. <laughs> no, it, it it added to the story, but it didn't change it any. Uh, you know what I, I mean? Understood, yes. Hmm. B, you, uh, you have limited knowledge. Yeah. So I... based off of what you have seen. Well. Do you remember all the ones you've seen? Yes. You've seen The Shining. The Shining. It. It. Dead Zone. Dead Zone starring Christopher Walken. Yeah. Running which Man. Which was hilarious. Oh, stop. Running Man, which was also hilarious. And The Green Mile with You. Yeah. I fell asleep through part of it, I think. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll take a different avenue because books I didn't read. I'm going to have to say The Shining for a movie. Uh, the the one, Stanley Cooper version. Yes. The one with Jack Nicholson, even though mm -hmm. it's apparently not the take he wanted um but i also even more so just enjoyed him as a person being from maine not him but myself as well and sharing the kind of uh outlook he has and how he speaks out for maine he's a voice a big activist for mainers so and does a lot for the community so i think that's my favorite part about him 
What's he? What has he done for the community? Um, he bought the best radio station because <laughs> he was afraid that it. He just wanted to keep it living. It's the rock station, Stephen King's 100.3 WKIT. And um, there's a lot of good music on it. And it's one of like the staples in that small area. He classic also, rock. Classic correct. rock. Yeah. So that is his favorite. Yeah. ACDC all the time. And um, but he also recently built uh, with his wife, Tabitha, the water park that's in Bangor, uh, where he is. And then also, um, which I didn't know about, but he did the little field, uh, the baseball field um, down in outer Bangor. Um, So that's good. He also helps with the community with writing and like proofreading and pushing for like literacy in the school systems, um, arts, things like that. That's being cut back so much by uh, government. Uh, for schooling they're cutting back in the arts and uh english and he he's pushing for that and also just um just for the uh betterment for the um maniacs really just living other didn't him and tabitha do the uh the library as well oh yeah the bangor public library yet they pushed and actually because it was in the same area city hall down in that um that oval area the balloon downtown bangor they pushed it to its own building and it's actually really huge it is it's huge and it's gorgeous so it's it's a great great area too absolutely yeah no that's definitely that's a ton for a community i don't i don't know too many other authors who have spent all of that on on just the town that they live in yeah just out of their pocket too Mm -hmm. he also supports a lot of like um like with the um, concert shows in the summer and stuff like that, um, games, the University of Maine, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Steven, it's your turn. Um, I really like Misery. Um, who's the Who's the actress in that? Kathy, Kathy Bates. Bates. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> she is outstanding. I like Kathy Bates in general. She's probably my favorite actress. Um, and then her in misery is just so good and it's such a like it's a twisted movie but it's also really good the book was outstanding as well um the long walk was probably my favorite book um by by bachman um so but uh but as far as movies go it might be misery which i don't think uh, i'm gonna have brianne watch because um she doesn't do well with with people in a lot of pain that's why We've skipped Pet Cemetery as well because I don't, I don't think she'd enjoy that one as much. Which is funny because I think that was the one I was pushing for. Yes, it was, <laughs> and that's why we went with Dead Zone, <laughs> which was Christopher Walken. So I was good. <laughs> Christopher Walken is <laughs> oh absolutely God. hilarious. He's ridiculous. I love him. But listen to all the huge star-studded cast that want that have been a part. Sissy Spacek was Carrie, uh, Kathy Bates, Christopher Walken, Tim Curry. It's the list just goes on and on and on. Michael Clark Duncan, um, and he was amazing in that movie, uh, The Green Mile. John Cusack. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what movie was John Cusack in? Cell? What was the other one? Oh. I'm trying uh, to remember. 1408. 1408. Oh, yeah, 1408. Yes. Okay. And there was another one, too, though. Samuel L. Jackson. Yes, absolutely. 1408. Was yeah, he? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep. 
Yeah, John Cusack was in What's the most recent thing Stephen King's written? I know he co-wrote one with his son recently. Yeah, that's... Hasn't even been released yet, right? It's being released sometime this year. Sleeping Beauty? Yeah. Um, And as far as movies go, it is coming out soon. And this podcast will be coming out very close to when the movie comes out. Hopefully the Monday before it comes out because i think it comes out on a friday somebody look that up i want to get that plug in here somewhere all right september 8th which oh hey september 8th which falls on that friday that we have no work oh nice we're gonna go see it you want to come see it yeah Yeah. we're making plans on the podcast (laughs) hey you want to come see hey guys for anyone who wants to come see the new movie it by stephen king we're going on the 8th the day that it releases and you can join us it is a Friday, this Friday, when this podcast comes out, which I believe will be the third or something. Yeah. I highly suggest you go see it, and uh, let me know what you think about it. Drop it in the comments. Let us know. Uh, where can they, what what sort of comments can they, where can they find us to give us comments? Well, they can find us at WNTT1.com slash, no, slash <laughs> Twitter. Slash Twitter. Well, no, Twitter.com slash WNTT1 or Facebook.com slash We Need to Talk Show. Outstanding. We're also on Patreon. Patreon. And Patreon is like a pretty cool platform because if you want to support us, you know, more ways than one, you can give us money on Patreon. It's a way to donate to your favorite creators. Definitely suggest that one. That's a good one mm. to donate to us. Also, if you want to hear a reaction to the movie and you know have us do a little review and talk through of it, uh, let us know and maybe we can do a you know a little review of it. That that would actually be really fun. I'd mm. love to do that. So hopefully some people uh, get back to us on that and we'll do that. Uh, in the meantime, let us know what uh, what books you liked. What did we not cover that you guys wanted to hear us talk about? And uh, in maybe sometime in the future, we can talk about it again. We we can talk. Yeah, not only can we, we need to talk. I love to read comic books, and man, do I love playing board games. That's why I go to Comic Hunter. Comic Hunter has Atlantic Canada's largest selection of comic books, graphic novels, board games, and manga. Plus, they have toys, action figures, statues, and much, much more. ComicHunter.net has a blog and Magic the Gathering web store. Events every single night, Dungeons and Dragons, Magic the Gathering, board games, Star Wars X-Wing, and much more. Ladies and gentlemen, they have mangas, buy three, get one free, used graphic novels, buy one, get one, plus the dollar bin of comics, thousands of comic books, up to 50% off the more you buy. Check out ComicHunter.net, they have a knowledgeable staff, plus Matt Surrett's there too. Open Monday to Friday, 10 to 10, Saturday, 10 to 9, Sunday, 12 to 6. Location is Moncton, 467 Main Street, Suite 300, and in Charlottetown, 181 Queen Street. That's right, Comic Hunter, where heroes come to play. This has been a TPC Network podcast. For more shows like this, go to tpcnetwork.com slash podcasts.